This is Lindsay Swoboda, and you're listening to the Choosing Brave podcast. Dreams change. What happens next? May these stories and honest conversations shed light on times where we feel uncertain and explore what it means to show up to our lives and choose brave. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Choosing Brave podcast. Today, we have Katie Haar. She is the founder and CEO of katiehar.com, where she helps women in their early 20s figure out all the non-sexy but essential life skills that no one really talks about, also known as adulting. After graduating from college nearly a decade ago, Katie moved to a new city and realized she knew very little about the basics of doing life. Meal planning for one, writing a cover letter, voter registration, and wish she had an older sister to help her through it all. She is now a virtual big sister for girls like her and creates resources designed to help women feel less alone and navigate life as an adult with confidence. Katie has a background in executive and corporate communications, serving most recently as the director of strategic communications for Halozyme Therapeutics. She loves traveling with her husband, staring at the ocean and connecting with her girlfriends. She owns more heels than sneakers. And if you ask her husband, he'll tell you she's addicted to color coding her email inbox. Katie, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here today, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. Katie, I'm just excited to chat with you today. I know that you're now in San Diego where you run your own business, but I want to back that up for listeners. Are you a California native? And um, if not, what brought you to that area? Yeah, I'm not at all a California native. So I'm a two-year newbie to San Diego. I've only, I moved here in January of 2018. Um, and I grew up on the East Coast my whole life. So grew up outside Philadelphia, went to school in upstate New York, and then moved to Washington, D.C., really northern Virginia, but it's all kind of the same thing when you live there, and lived there for seven years, uh, almost until I was 30. Um, so really East Coast my entire life. Um, and then during my like last year, year and a half um, in D.C., I started uh, dating long distance my former college boyfriend. So we got together after being apart for six, seven years. Um, and kind of, we got engaged and then it was like, okay, who moves where? And it was a pretty easy decision. I was like, East coast, snow or sunny beaches, San Diego. And it was a pretty fast decision for me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I moved out here, uh, two years ago and definitely went through a bit of a culture shock. Um, my, the story I love to tell is, uh, my husband and I were on a walk one day and it was like six weeks after I moved here. So not that long. I was still trying to you know, get my footing. I was searching for an apartment, planning a wedding, doing my old job remotely, trying to make friends. And I was like, nothing is the same as my old life. Like everything is different. This is my like mimicking crying voice. And my husband was like, um, at least everyone still speaks English. And I was like, that's not helpful, but true. (laughs) Very true. Yes. Coming from someone that has like lived all over the world. It's so true. Exactly. I was like, I can't imagine doing this in another country. Yeah. Uh, But moves are always hard. And I think that's something too. It's, um, you know, there's, I forget if it's top five or top seven, like greatest stressors that you have in your life at one time moving is high on the list because, um, not only usually are you moving away from the familiar, it's the starting over and also trying to figure out, like, we don't realize, I think that we attach certain identities to ourselves, like in every place, but we end up doing that. And then we have to sort of recreate that person all over again. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting, but so hard. Um, Yes. (laughs) So did you move out there with a job? 
No, I didn't. So uh, when I was in DC, I worked at Georgetown University. Uh, so I was the director of strategic communications for the president of the university. And it kind of came time for me to move out. And uh, we kind of came to an arrangement where I would work remotely until I found a job out here. And so I did the West East Coast hours on the West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. which turned me into, I was already a morning person, but it like ensured I was a permanent morning person. <laughs> wow. How much, how early did you normally have to get up? So I kind of said to people like, look, I'm going to start working at 630 in the morning. So I'd get up at like five, five fifteen, and get myself okay. ready. So it wasn't that bad with the caveat that like, if there was some emergency, like text me and I'll hop on my laptop and, you know, kind of do that thing. But, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. that's a, really neat to hear though. Cause I think a lot of times, starting over fresh. It's interesting to, this is the first time we've moved um, as a family and we're military. So we move very frequently, but uh, this was the first time I moved with my current job that I had at the embassy. I kept it moving here and it was really wonderful to keep that income and also really interesting to try to figure out my work hours and like communication from a different um, location than where I was. Exactly. It's very different. And one of the things that I learned, because I have friends who do remote work, but their um, companies are much more set up for everyone does remote work. And so you have scheduled Zoom meetings, all that sort of thing. I was working for a university. Their technology is quite dated. Um, And I literally would be like, can someone just turn their cell phone on speaker and carry me around with you? Because you would learn so much by like these hallway conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was trying to like figure out how I could still keep my like ear to the ground, so to speak, uh, from across the country. Um, and we got a scrappy and figured some things out, but it's definitely possible. And I think I'd even encourage anyone who's like trying to, they're in the middle of a life transition or thinking about one. One of the things that I did actually is before I moved out here in January of 2018, uh, the prior summer, so July of 2017, my now husband, then boyfriend was like, you know, California's different. Like, I want you to like really live here for a little bit of time to like, before you like are just like, oh, I'm a beach girl forever and like sign up, Um, which was very wise of him. And so I took July and I came out here to California and July is a very slow time in the academic space. And I talked to my boss and I said, hey, look, this is my long-term goal. My husband and I are trying to figure out, or my boyfriend and I are trying to figure out this is going to work. I have the vacation time. Technically, I could have taken four weeks off. I said, but he has to work. I'm willing to work remote. What do you think about it? And he was like, yeah, that's totally fine. And it wasn't, it's not like I had a ton of coworkers who did something similar, but being a little bit creative and like building up the trust, like he knew I was a hard worker. I wasn't going to slack on my hours. We'd, you know, work East Coast hours on the West Coast. And I was just encouraged to do that. I was talking with one of my girlfriends and she was like, you should just talk to your boss about this. Like people are way more flexible. You just have to like be willing to ask. And so that's one of the things I've really learned, like, oh, just ask. And when you build trust with someone, a lot of times they're more than happy to be like, yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. I think that's such great advice um, for anybody trying to make a transition or just wondering what would this look like if I tried this um, from a new angle? Um, We are afraid to ask uh, a lot of times because, you know, depending on your personality, like I don't want to mess up anything. No, I don't either. <laughs> but a lot of times the perfectionist in me thinks like, oh, it's only this way. But right. now in today's world, we have a lot more options for, you know, telework and all these different avenues that I don't think we could have considered before. So I think that's really exciting 100%. and kind of neat that you got to keep an anchor with that job until you found something new. So I know that in your bio, we heard that you have a background 
obviously an executive in corporate communications, and you served most recently as the director of strategic communications for Halozyme Therapeutics. So that was in California? Yeah, it oh, was. Right. So that was the job I eventually landed um, when I got out here. Uh, so kind of, I was doing multiple things at the same time. So I was planning a wedding, trying to find an apartment, working my remote job and trying to find a new job. So it was, there's never a dull moment. No. <laughs> um, but I did, uh, because my background was in uh, doing a lot of communications for executives. So the president of Georgetown University, I found a job doing communications for the CEO of a biotech company called Halozyme. Biotech's kind of a, one of the bigger industries here in San Diego. Okay. Um, and so that position looked for me kind of similar to what I did at Georgetown, just in a different industry. Mm-hmm. A lot like high-level communications on behalf of the CEO, working with the media, crafting speeches, crafting talking points, crafting internal communications to employees, external communications, just anything. The kind of little tagline I like to say is basically taking a vision. So, you know, what the CEO wants or the leadership team wants, and then making it actionable. Like, okay, this is your vision. How are we going to, you know, really put like legs on this? And then how do we communicate it clearly? And what does that look like for the different audiences we're trying to communicate to? So that's really kind of where my sweet spot was. And I got to do that for about a year. And then what's really common in biotechs uh, is you have a, a drug that you're in testing. So they were testing a pancreatic cancer drug and pancreatic cancer. One of the things I learned is a very, very hard cancer to kind of crack the code on. And so the drug fails, they have three phases of drug testing and you have to get through each phase for it to get on the market. So phase three is the last phase. It failed its phase three testing in early November. So they had to let go 55% of the workforce. And it was kind of this, like, I was like, I've never been let go from a job before. Um, And they did it in the best way possible. I mean, the severance, the bonus, all the things that they did, like it was a huge uh, leadership lesson for me and how well they cared for people that they could no longer provide jobs to. So yeah, that kind of led me to this moment of being like, okay, I think I need to look for a job again or figure out something else. Um, Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, Katie. And I love that it's, we're kind of getting to go into like the unexpected Um, Because I feel like a lot of us are dealing with that on, I mean, people in my scope of imagination are not working the, you know, 30 plus years at one company anymore or in one place or um, whatever that used to look like maybe for our parents' generation or the generation Mm -hmm. before us, you know, we are, we have to get a bit more creative when things falter. So is that when you started your own business? It is. It okay. is. Uh, all right. So, let's, let's break that all down from like yeah. ending your job into this new avenue you took. Yeah, for sure. So my job kind of ended formally in January, but the, kind of with the laws, we weren't really in the office at that time. So right. legally I was employed until January, but I had kind of had in the back of my mind, this idea of starting my own business for a while. It had just kind of been in as I said, like in the back of my mind, but I didn't know what that would be. So I kind of been playing around with it. And my commute uh, to Halozyme was about 35 to 50 minutes each way, depending on traffic. So I had tons of podcast listening time, which is one reason that I love podcasts. And so I was listening to all these podcasts and somehow landed in the kind of entrepreneurial small business like category on, you know, the Apple iTunes uh, podcast app and just started listening to all these different podcasts. 
And again and again, what kind of kept coming up was like people who had businesses that enabled them to be really flexible um, with the time they were able to spend with their families. And this was just something that, you know, thinking of having a family one day, I was pretty passionate about because I was like, I knew I didn't want to have a job that I like had to do like a eight to 6 PM every day and yeah. like up at daycare or whatever. Right. I wanted something with a bit more flexibility. And I thought, you know, one of the things people have always told me is I work very quickly and very well. So I was like, you know what? I bet I could work a few hours a week, but still get a heck of a lot done. I'm going to, you know, I kind of started to put out feelers for finding another job. I was like, I'm definitely going to have a few weeks here where I can uh, start to really get this thing on the ground. So I'd been thinking about it for a while um, and had kind of, started to think about my own story too. Like where are some things that like I've had to walk through that I could reach back and help other people with, right? Like a right. lot of times you don't have to be the top expert in the field. You just have to be a few steps up the ladder from someone else and you can reach back and be like, you know, here's how to do it. Or I imagine like a rock climbing wall where you're looking down and you're like, Hey, put your hand on the, the one right, you know, at two o'clock above you. And so I, I realized that when I moved to, uh, when I graduated college, I moved just straight to Washington, D.C., like three weeks after college graduation. So it was really enough time to like tear down my college apartment, dump it all in my parents' house, sort through it, get a few more things, then drive it down uh, to D.C. And I remember starting my first job and coming home. I had a little studio apartment and my parents had raised me well. It's not like I didn't know how to cook a single thing or didn't know how to, you know, use a credit card or anything. But I had this moment where I was like, there's a lot I don't know how to do. Right. Uh, like there was you know, no college crash course on living a daily life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like how do you live a daily life? And I mean, even something as simple as like, okay, I knew I should exercise, but I started to realize my very first job out of college was I was a paralegal at a law firm mm -hmm. uh, and they had weird hours. And so you'd think you'd have a normal day. You, you could technically leave at 530. But if your lawyer asked you to do anything, you had to stay. So overtime was very common in the industry. But often you wouldn't know that you had to stay overtime until like 5.25 at night. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to my little apartment gym and work out. And then no. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I have to like really think about like what's important to me. And that's when I switched to working out in the morning. because so I was like, I can control my morning hours, but I can't always control my evening hours. And, but like, even just that thought process of like, okay, let me look through my schedule. Let me figure out what's important. Let me figure out the pockets of time I know I have control over and the ones I'm going to have to be more flexible with. Like, I have no idea how to do any of that. And so I thought like, oh, maybe this is where I can help other women because you don't talk about it. You don't go to brunch with your girlfriends and be like, um, guys, how often should I change the oil in my car? Like, right. you just don't have that conversation, you know, like right. you hope your dad reminds you maybe. Which my dad did. And I was like, oh, every 3,000 miles, did not realize that one. It's like, dad, why is there a strange light on my dashboard? You know? So these are these things that you learn. And so I was like, this is, this, it kind of sounded like a good kind of place to land. So I did some more research, you know, market research, figuring it out. And I was like, there looks like there's a good gap in the market right now because I found myself frustrated. The websites and the courses and that sort of a thing that seemed geared towards, you know, these women in their early 20s were much more like 10 cute lunch boxes or five new ways to wear your hair. And I was like, look, I'm all for a cute lunchbox and a great hairstyle. 
But like, that doesn't actually help me when I'm like, how do I live my everyday life and make sure my car still runs or I can write a good right. cover and letter? How do I get my off? taxes done? And like, sure. any of that, like, oh, I've heard about this meal planning thing, but how do I do that where every recipe is like for a family of four? Exactly. Or it's like some, a bunch of strange ingredients. Like how do I sift right. through all this information and find ones that I can like, oh, if I'm going to get a rotisserie chicken, like, oh, there's three other recipes that I can make that are all different. So I don't feel like I'm feeding myself the same thing, but I'm also not wasting two thirds of a rotisserie chicken. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting, Katie. And I do feel like you found a niche where when I was reading just about what you're doing right now, I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know any of that either. And I know that I wasted time and money coming out of college just on things that I didn't really need because I didn't really know what else to do. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Some of us are like not as good at reaching out and asking those hard questions, especially I think it depends on the kind of family you have too. Like, do you have a family where you want to admit like, dad, I don't know what that light is. Or do you have a family where you're like, I'm going to do it myself. Exactly. I don't need any help, but actually I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) You don't know what you don't know. Um, Right. And so I felt like I just did so much Googling and I was like, I wish there was just a central place and a person that's what I decided to create. Uh, so I just decided I'm horrible, truly horrible at coming up with catchy names. Um, one of my dear friends is the director of development for a nonprofit in DC. And every so often she'd come to me and be like, I just can't come up with a subject line for this email. Could you help me? And I'm a writer, I'm a communicator. And I'd throw some ideas at her. And about the second or third time she asked me, she was like, no, you're banned from this. You're truly bad at being really catchy. <laughs> So um, I just decided to call it katiehar.com. I was like, you know what? It's my name. I don't have to come up with something catchy. And then every so often, you know, you pivot in your business, right? So I didn't right. have to pivot my, my name either. And uh, so that's where I started. So right now it looks a lot like I do a lot of blog posts. Um, so I do at least once a week um, and they're super practical. You're not going to find tanky lunch boxes, but you will find, you know, I've done everything like from like what to wear to work to credit cards versus debit cards, to meal planning, to how to write a resume, a cover letter, how to write um, emails your boss will like. That was one thing I struggled with, like how chatty am I supposed to be in a professional email? All that sort of a thing. Um, I do one-on-one coaching women just who are like, hey, I just have this one specific problem and we just brainstorm like, okay, how do we like work through it? Um, What are some resources we can go to? And then I'm working on some more in-depth courses on stuff like budgets and meal planning uh, that people can just purchase and go through at their own pace if they don't want to do like video coaching or whatever. Well, can you take us to some of those coaching moments, you know, that you feel are appropriate? Because I know you've probably had some really great experiences so far working with women um, in your business. And I want you to take us through like some of your favorites and especially like, I'm sure you've gotten to witness a couple times some of those aha moments, things that we could be thinking about, but we're not right. always thinking about. Right. You know, for me, I keep coming back again and again to like how important it is to like go back to the basics. So sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, this is such basic like information. Like people are going to think that I have no brain, right? I'm telling them to drink water. But I realized that like we actually have to be reminded of the basics. So I've had these aha moments where I think I'm like going to give these great advice. Like here's a perfect example. The other day I hopped on Instagram live uh, to share one of my favorite life hacks. Um, This was the two minute rule. And 
For me, that means if I have a task on my to-do list, that's going to take me less than two minutes. Just do it right then. Like don't procrastinate it. Don't add it to the list. Just get it done. Um, so I go on and do this whole snazzy Instagram live and a girl, uh, who I've talked to before. So, uh, DMs me, she's like, thanks so much, but how do I like work from home in this kind of crazy scenario? And I was like, Oh my gosh, here I am coming in with these like two minute rule life hacks. Cause I think they like sound sexy and are fun and people just need basic, like, how do I work from home? And so I sent her a few videos. Um, I love doing video messages and then hopped on Instagram and like shared that because I was like, this is actually <laughs> information people need right now. Right. But so for me, it's really been like having these aha moments of like, we need to just come together like as women and remind each other of like, okay, are we doing the things we already know how to do? Are we drinking water? Are we moving our bodies? Are we like texting a friend when we are just like, you know what, today has just been hard. Like, I just needed to say that, you know, and I think as we like slowly remind ourselves of this and build that foundation, I've seen so many people be like, oh, I now have the like space to like tackle something that seems a little trickier, like doing your taxes. Doing your taxes isn't horrible. It just feels so overwhelming when you're dehydrated, tired, sluggish, and lonely. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? I so love that. Like well, coming and back to the basics. Too, a lot of people forget those basics looking at you know, we're a world of social media, which is super helpful, um, but also can be super harmful if you're not sure how to navigate those systems and realize that everybody's putting up the best of the best on there. You know, like you can forget that you don't have to like be in a dream destination to still be having a great day. Um, or you don't always have to have something super important to say. You can share a picture just because you like it. Um, I just think we're in a whole different, I mean, I didn't grow up with social media. I'll age myself here. Um, so I just think it's interesting to watch our, the next generation of women coming up in it and the decisions we make around our day. And I think oh, it's smart sure. to get people back to basics. Cause I think sometimes we think really big and maybe yeah. not pull in to ourselves and the little things that we could be doing to have a really great life. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so easy. I think I was reading something the other day where um, someone's mom was essentially saying like, look, when I raised my kids, I had friends and I had the women on the street and I would ask them what they were doing and, you know, maybe do some healthy or not so healthy comparison, but you have 3 million moms on Instagram or in your Facebook groups. You're comparing yourselves and to them and then to their highlight reel. So you're like, Oh my gosh, she has a perfectly organized under the sink bathroom photo. And it's like, (laughs) and it's, and it's, so it's like our comparison has just blown way out of proportion and it's not even accurate comparison. Right. Um, Only see little snippets. Um, And so I've just found it so helpful to kind of come back to what our basics are. Um, And then also remember, I think my like one other aha moment I had is, you know, how can we, I'm not the kind of person who's like super going to like direct and speak up about things, but I've learned that a lot of times we have to kind of be what feels like, especially for people with my personality, what feels like us being a little pushy often doesn't come across as pushy Mm -hmm. Um, because there's, I think there's a lot of women like me who are like, Oh, I asked for that twice or I emailed to follow up. And they're like, that's pushy. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's not at all pushy. You're doing it politely. Number one, you're using kind words um, and you're being respectful. But number two, I tell women this all the time when they're applying for a job, they said, look, I applied for the job. I did what you told me, like how to write the cover letter. 
and I haven't heard back. And I'll say, well, did you email them back again? They're like, no, I just applied on indeed.com. Like, no, you have to put yourself out there. You have to find an email address, email the person, say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I like about the job. And then like keep a little tracker, like, okay, I'm going to follow up next week. I'm going to follow up the week after that. And I've had so many people tell me like, hey, thanks so much for following up. I meant to respond. Life got busy. Like really appreciate you hopping back in my inbox. And it's just been a big moment for me to be able to encourage women and say like, hey, you're using respectful words. Like check in on that. Like until you get an answer, keep showing up. Not every hour, not every day, but every week, just like pop in and say, Hey, and you never know what you, you know, will end up with. You just kind of have to ask and put yourself out there. Well, you're helping me because I'm actually like listening to, I'm like, Oh, I have like two emails right now that I need to do that with. And sometimes I don't give myself permission because we do for some reason, see that as like an aggressive thing that we're doing. It's not, I think it's just learning these rules of email or, you know, you're not getting to show up with that person face to face. Right. A lot of today's working hours, or at least mine, like as a freelancer, like it's always my voice via email. So you're always hoping that your tone is right. And then you can get so stressed out about it that you don't even hit send. Exactly. Then like, then what does that look like? Not great either. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I love that you said that. And that's a big aha moment for me, just hearing that and saying, I have to keep pushing myself forward and knowing like it's okay to yeah. continue to put my voice out there in a manageable way. That's totally right. Not every hour. Right. No, not every hour. You're not being a nag, but you're just being kind. And when someone sees, especially for a job or something like that, that you're being persistent, it shows like actual real interest on your end, right? Like you mm-hmm. actually have an interest in the specific job or opportunity or whatever. Um, and not just like, oh, you saw it in the bunches of emails you get every day and like threw your resume into something and don't even know the title of the job. Like yeah. you actually care. Um, and that's the type of person they want to hire, right? Someone who cares um, and follows through and that sort of thing. Right. No, I think that's really empowering that you shared that. And I really thank you for that because I think we can Good. be so worried about how we come off that then we don't take action and absolutely action is better. Well, Katie, the mantra for this podcast is dreams change what happens next. I want to know what you think happens after dreams change. First of all, can I just say how much I love that mantra? That's such a good mantra. Um, And I think for me, I was reflecting a little bit. You sent me this question ahead of time and I was reflecting a little bit. And I think honestly, the first thing that came to mind and something that I've had to learn is just like, it's okay if when a dream changes, especially one that, you know, maybe we said as a kid, I want to be a vet and we don't want to be a vet anymore. It's not that type of dream, like a dream that you've always had and just realized it's not going to happen for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's okay to just grieve that, right? To just be like, you know what, I'm upset, I'm sad, I'm angry. And just like, let yourself feel those feelings. Because I think for me, and I think this is true for other people based just off some conversations I've had and reading I've done, if we just bury that inside us and say like, okay, whatever, it's life and move on, it kind of keeps us from fully engaging in the rest of our lives. And so I feel like it's one of those things where we just have to acknowledge like, hey, that was not something I really planned for or wanted. And I'm going to say it's okay to be sad with that and wrestle with it a little bit. And then um, I think we then kind of flip the script and say like, okay, Uh, This is an opportunity to manage, like to imagine what a new reality could look like. And this looks different and takes various amounts of time, depending on like how big the dream was, right? So sometimes we can imagine it right away and start moving forwards. Other times it's a bit more of a process. 
and it looks different for, you know, kind of everyone, how they do it for me. Um, I'm a Christian, so I just like pray and say like, Hey God, (laughs) how do you want me to move forward in this? I'm not really sure. And, you know, I think one of the best things I've ever learned is there's an author, her name's Emily Freeman. She has a podcast called The Next Right Thing. Next it's, right book. Thing. it's so good. It's her so voice good. is amazing. Um, and her whole kind of premise is just do the next right thing. Um, and so when these moments when I have dreams change, you grieve and you're like, okay, what's the next right thing? Honestly, sometimes that's just like wash your face and go to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes it's that for several days. And other times it's like, well, I remember meeting this person once and really they said like, hey, if you ever need anything, I think I could be helpful. Maybe I just reach out and send them an email and see where that goes. Maybe it's showing up to something that you wouldn't normally show up for because, you know, the people there are encouraging and, you know, you never know what could come of it. And so that's kind of the way I think about it. Like go through a process of, of grieving if you have to, and then just be like, okay, what's my next right thing to do right now? Yeah. I really love that. And anybody that has a child right now, I have a five-year-old. Um, has heard the Next Right Thing song from Frozen 2 on repeat for maybe six months. So <laughs> hopefully it's ingrained now. We, we can't can not forget it, right? <laughs> we can't not think of Anna singing about her Next Right Thing, which is so true. Um, and I love that it really is small steps that can lead up to something greater. And I love that you talked about the grieving process. It's interesting. Someone I was talking to the other day said, we can't grieve if we didn't first celebrate. Oh, I love that. So I was like, oh, I can actually be happy for that time in my life that I had, maybe where I was living this one dream. And if I can't, you know, I can't even grieve that if I wasn't ever happy in that place to then move on. So Yeah. yeah, I just think there's a lot of power behind the grief process and you're right. Everyone handles it so differently and that's okay. But knowing if you're kind of stuck for a minute, that's not unusual. And if you push past, maybe it might not be the best thing for you when you need to maybe sit there for a minute. So, so hard though. Let's talk about moving forward. How do you feel and move forward from a dream or aspiration that we had? And, you know, you got let go from your job, Mm -hmm. you moved all the way across the country. I like to ask guests sometimes, like, do you hold on to any regrets from any of these phases of your life that kind of swiftly changed, whether you chose for them to change or not? Right. No, that's such a good question. Um, and I wouldn't say that I hold on to any regrets at all, but I will say that like I do, you know, when I first moved to San Diego and I was like, man, I had a really great community in Washington, DC. Like I miss my friends. And I think looking back, I'd be like, you know, it was hard doing long distance. So when I was in a long distance relationship, I like wanted to be with my boyfriend. And I was like, I knew I had great friends. I wanted to be there. And I think what I have to constantly tell myself is like, there's so many like good things in the moment you're in right now. And it's okay if you want some things to change too. And like, how do I just live in the tension of being grateful for the now without only looking ahead and being like, I just want that. I just want that. And not appreciating what I have right now. Um, But not also looking behind when you're like, Oh, that was so good. Why don't I have it again? And just, and just being really thankful for where I am in the moment. So that's definitely a constant learning process for me. Um, You know, we can, look back on things that weren't actually all that great and like put rose colored glasses on and think oh, they yes, were we better. Can. <laughs> yeah. um, one of my good, good friends in DC moved, uh, moved out of DC before I did. So maybe two years before I did. And she moved to Texas and it was kind of similar. Like she moved there cause that's where her husband was and brand new community. 
And one of the things she told me, which I've never forgotten, is she's like, you know, I remember walking to the metro in the morning in the ice, falling down. It was gross. And she's like, here I am in Texas being like, I just want DC again. She's like, I had to remember there were parts that weren't that great. And that's okay. Like, but I can't put rose colored glasses on same thing. It's good to sometimes I think look back and be like, you know what? That was a good season of my life, but there was hard too. It wasn't this like perfect idyllic little garden uh, where nothing was wrong. Um, so just keeping things in that perspective really helps me. Um, especially when I'm in a moment where I feel like I've moved on from something or I'm in a lot of change, um, to be like, you know what? There's hard seasons in every part of life. Some feel harder than others. Most are truly not that hard at the end of the day. I have to kind of give myself that little, uh, perspective too, but that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, no, I really enjoy that advice, especially the rose colored glasses. You said that and I was like, oh, we've just moved. So of course I'm looking at every thing in this new place, knowing it has such potential and, you know, but missing, I think the comfort I came from and also having to remember like not everything there or getting started there was easy either. So just change is always hard guys. It is. is. (laughs) But it's the thing we do all the time. So exactly working to get better at it. Well, how long have you had katiehar.com open and what does this latest season of your business and life look like for you? Yeah. So I formally like launched the website um, in January. So kind of worked on it uh, for a little while, making sure I had my messaging down and, and all of that. Uh, so launched that in January. So it's only been open like three months now. Um, Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. It's been really <laughs> exciting three months though. Um, so most of the days I try to do my hardest work in the mornings and then some more admin, social media stuff in the afternoons. Um, then my husband and I love going to the gym. So we kind of do that at night and hang out with friends and uh, our apartment's really close to the ocean. So I make sure I like, you know, spend some time staring at the ocean every day. Oh, it's so nice. It's really nice. It's yeah. really nice. <laughs> I have to, every time I go out for a run and like, you can't escape the ocean on my running route. I have to be like, I need to just like soak this in and just be so grateful for it because for most people and for most of my life, it was like you saw it once a year on vacation. Right. Like landlocked. Yes. Exactly. exactly. You said you grew up in Pennsylvania. Did you say Pittsburgh area? Uh, I said Philadelphia area. Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's a P in there somewhere. I grew yep. up in Ohio, so I totally understand. Mine was like, we drive up and see Lake Erie. You know, I exactly. mean, we would go exactly. to like Gulf Shores and stuff as a family on spring mm-hmm. break. But living in Virginia now, I can drive 40 minutes and see the Atlantic Ocean. And you saying that reminded me that I need to go back out there like soon and go stare at it and smell the air. And so good. And it's so good for perspective too. Like when life just feels a little crazy, like it is right now, you look at the ocean, you're like, oh, this is, gives me so much good perspective. Everything I need to look at. (laughs) Well, Katie, when do you feel like you feel brave? How would you define brave? And in what way would you encourage our listeners to choose brave for themselves? I think for me, I feel the most brave when I'm the most scared, but I'm Mm. not letting that fear hold me back. So I think it was Christy Wright uh, who said, bravery is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And then Jessica Honiger who said, it's going scared. And that's kind of what I feel like bravery is. It's, It's just going scared. It's like acknowledging that you're afraid. And being like, you know what, that's a normal human emotion. And I'm just going to acknowledge that I'm terrified right now, but I'm going to move ahead. And I think I've kind of come to this place where I'm like, you know what, I'd rather look back at my life and say, I was afraid and did it anyway. I tried and failed miserably, maybe even publicly, but you know what, I tried. Um, Rather than saying I played it safe, 
I stayed on my couch. I watched a lot of Netflix. Like that doesn't sound like I'd rather be like, yeah, I posted something on social media and probably shouldn't have. And there were angry comments and be like, okay, I learned a lesson. Like I learned to be more sensitive or to be more compassionate or maybe to see the world through a perspective that I hadn't been before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd rather learn those lessons and live that kind of life than live just a life that feels very safe. Um, so yeah, that's how I would define being bravery, just feeling the fear and going for it anyway, even if you feel like you're so afraid you're shaking, which happens to me sometimes. Right. No, me too. Yeah. I think that's a good encouragement for our listeners is I think a lot of times if we are feeling really scared about something, sometimes it means that we're being pushed past that, past that point where we feel comfortable. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of like really magical things can happen. Yeah. Even though, again, growth and change are hard. There are tricky things to put ourselves through because none of us want to be uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. So. And it helps me to really think through like in a moment that I'm scared, like, okay, can you remember another time that you were scared and you got through it? You know, there's that like meme that says like you've lived through a hundred percent of your worst days. And it's kind of like, you know, I I love that, you know, like, I, okay, I have felt fear before and I've gotten through to the other side. And a lot of times I can then even look back and be like, here's all the good that came from it. Right. Um, but it's when I'm like facing it again, I'm like, okay, this isn't the first time I do have the skills. Uh, you know, it might be a different fear than before. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still the same emotion, like moving ahead is kind of the same basic skill. And it's like, okay, I've done this before. I can do this. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a post-it for me to put up somewhere. I've lived through a hundred percent of my bad days. I never thought about that before, um, or heard it. So that's very helpful for me because I do feel like there are some days that feel very much longer than others. So sure. Especially with a little one. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Even though I love her dearly and she brings lots of music to her my day. (laughs) Well, Katie, it's time for our lightning round. And this is funny because usually I write down questions before I ask the lightning round and I realized I didn't. So this is going to be a true act of spontaneity that happens here. I'm excited. Um, So let's go for it. Uh, Do you have a preference, coffee or tea? Coffee, definitely, but tea in the afternoon. So coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Okay. All right. If you could leave and go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where are you going? Oh, New Zealand. I really want to go. Me too. Um, I'm still regretting. We lived in Hawaii for three and a half years and I feel like we were maybe the closest sort of we could have ever been. We just didn't happen. So yeah, I'm going to go back to Hawaii and then I can leave from there. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. If you have a choice in a dessert, are you going with like a cake cookie situation or are you like a chocolate person? What are you doing? That's a really good question. Uh, it probably depends on my mood to be honest. And it's probably even outside of that. So I love Froyo, like love okay. Froyo. So I'm probably going to go Froyo and then probably like an angel food cake. Um, so my mother-in-law makes a really good one. That reminds me of my grandmother. So there you go. I love that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not something I would go for. And that is exciting. Um, all right. What is your, you like to work out a lot mm-hmm. with your husband. What is your workout of choice? That's a good question. So for years I ran, so I was just a runner. I did 10 half marathons. That was kind of my thing. And then he got me into lifting weights. So that's my new thing. So I go to the gym and just lift heavy and I love it. 
That is really cool. Good yeah. for you. And that's another way that you chose brave is trying. I think we can get stuck too in our fitness oh, routines sure. and it's good to mix it up. Well, and I was terrified of the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there are all these guys there and I don't know what these machines are and I'm right. going to be using two and a half pound weights and that looks stupid. And my husband was like, get over yourself. You can do it. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> okay. I will. Yeah. Exactly. That's good that you had him there to push you a uh-huh. little bit. My husband pushes me a lot in working out too. So helpful. It is. It's good. He's also in the military. So sometimes I'm like, don't, don't military off. me. <laughs> yeah. Let me do this at my own pace. Um, all right, Katie. Well, finally, I want to know all the ways that we can connect with you on your journey. And I want to finish by asking, how can we encourage you? You're so kind. Well, for connecting, there's two main spots. So one's just my website. It's kbhar.com and har is H-A-A-H-R. Um, and then on Instagram at katie.har. Um, obviously, spelled the same way. And yeah, you'll find I do send out like weekly emails with free tips and fun gifts and that sort of a thing. Um, so if that's something that is of interest to any of y'all, I invite you just to head over to my website and uh, sign up. I love kind of having that smaller, more intimate community to kind of connect with and uh, make sure I'm serving them really well. They're my first priority. And then just encourage me like, you know what? I love seeing women who are like acting and like asking the hard questions. So just like popping over and, and just say, and asking me like DM me and say like, Hey, this is something I'm really struggling with. Like, I love to be able to kind of see those little like insights into where women are at so that I can really help them really well. Um, and I know sometimes we don't always want to like comment publicly on someone's post. So send me a DM. So I call myself a virtual big sister. So y'all will hear from my younger sister. We are very different personalities. So um, our, our favorite story she may tell us, so I'll keep it short, but um, is I've, I've always created lists for her. So I'm like a list maker. Hmm. And, um, you know, as a kid, I would be like, we're going on vacation. What have you packed? And she'd be like, well, I have my three doll houses and my two books. And she wouldn't pack underwear. <laughs> and, uh, when I live in San Diego, she's in Charleston, South Carolina. And about a week or two before her baby was due, I like texted her and I was like, Hey, do you, is there anything I can do from afar? Cause I just felt bad. I was her big sister. I was across the country. I couldn't be there in the day to day. She was like, you know what? I'm just really overwhelmed with this like labor and delivery, like packing list. Like, what do I need to bring to the hospital? I think I have some things, but I'm just, could you put it together in a list for me? So I did a bunch of research, sent her a list. The baby came early. So she was in labor and like pulled up my email and she's like, I just put everything in my bag that you said in your email. Even the stuff that I thought was stupid, like dry shampoo. And I literally (laughs) got a text from her like a week after the baby was born. And she was like, the dry shampoo saved my life. I didn't Um, even think about dry shampoo. (laughs) I'm adding that to like my next list. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I just love, but that's the thing. Like when she like raised her hand and said like, Hey, the labor and delivery packing list is overwhelming me. I was like, I'm on it. So just, uh, I love being what helps people so you can practically like that. Yeah. Well, I think we need brains and hearts like yours that can serve our communities like that because there's a lot of us that don't think on those terms and it's good to have those out there that are organizing things. And I wish I had had you when I was graduating college and getting out there in my twenties, trying to figure out life. And I know that you, you know, are specifically kind of for those ladies in your twenties, but I think a lot of this applies to a lot of us that are older than that too. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And Katie, thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you so much. I love the work that you're doing to encourage people to be brave and to to move forward um, and feel the fear and do it anyway. So I appreciate you. All right. Bye, Katie. Bye. 
Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Choosing Brave podcast. As always, you can access show notes at upliftinganchor.com and you can find me, your host, Lindsay, on all your favorite places on the internet at Uplifting Anchor. Katie shared in this episode that she feels the most brave when she's the most scared, but showing up and doing it anyway and not letting that fear hold her back. I think that is our drop of wisdom for this week is to consult some quotes on fear and see where they lead us. So one of my favorite ones that I found was from W. Clement Stone that says, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. I also really enjoyed this one by Susie Kasim that says, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Wherever you're at this month, this day, this hour where you're listening to this podcast, My hope is that we can start drawing up some of those fears in our life and start figuring out what our next actionable step is from here forward. Until next time, friends, keep choosing brave.